What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Big League Chewing, a baseball podcast. My name is Mike Brown. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always. So we're about 30 days in on this quarantine, and MLB has started to kind of leak out some details as to what they're thinking in terms of getting a 2020 season underway. There's talk of having a kind of Olympic village uh, in the Arizona area, having teams descend on there for the entire season. Um, which seems a little odd, um, seems a little hard to be able to kind of manage all those moving parts um, just coming out of a, a, a pandemic. Seems a little, um, seems a little hard to, to achieve at this point, uh, but they are floating around a, a multitude of different ideas from electronic strike zones to uh, some radical division realignment and, and, and having players basically not sit in the dugouts and basically sit in the stands to keep distance. Um, a lot of it just seems a little far-fetched, a little crazy to me. Uh, but, you know, anything to have baseball back, uh, as far as I'm concerned, is a good thing. On today's show, I am joined by Jason Burke. Jason is the host of the Locked On A's podcast, the great athletics podcast. We talk about the A's. We talk about some of these MLB proposals for getting the season underway. And what he's been up to, uh, how he's been getting his baseball fix uh, during this, uh, during the during these times. So I hope you enjoy. Uh, I'm going to get straight into my interview. Here's Jason Burke uh, with Locked On A's. Okay, so I'm now joined by Jason Burke. Jason is the host of the Locked On A's podcast, a great athletics podcast. Jason, how's it going today? I'm doing pretty good, Michael. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to have you on. Thanks for hopping on. So um, obviously we're without baseball. Um, we've gotten a little bit uh, a little bit of details this week on when baseball may come back, uh, but we'll get to that shortly. Um, in the meantime, how have you been getting your baseball fixed during the, the quarantine? Have you been going back to old games? Have you been uh, gaming? I know a lot of people, uh, players are, and players and fans alike are kind of resorting to watching MLB the show games play out or playing the game themselves uh, to kind of pass the time. Pretty crazy times. Uh, how are you kind of uh, getting your fix, so to speak? Uh, for the podcast, I've been trying to, I've been doing a little bit of both where I've been going back in time and going, uh, I had a series last week or the week before on, uh, they were A's, uh, just random, you know, Hall of Fame players that happened to play for the A's for a year or two. And that was a lot of fun. Um, learned a little bit about them and tried to, you know, impart some of that knowledge. But uh, as for passing time during the day, I've been playing a lot of MLB The Show. Uh, right. I won the World Series with the A's, so uh, that's something <laughs> to look forward to. Nice. Uh, yeah, just trying to get all, you know, the player cards and all that stuff and, you know, right. build up my squad from there. So give me your initial take then on what MLB came out with this week. Um, basically, their Arizona season proposal, which would basically have, um, you know, all 30 teams kind of descend uh, on Arizona, um, kind of around the Phoenix area. For the regular season, uh, they would require that players kind of stay uh, in their hotel rooms, basically, uh, if they're not playing a game or if they're not working out or kind of at the training facility, they'd be kind of quarantined. Um, they've also kind of talked about having an electronic strike zone to kind of keep uh, the umpire away and kind of keep people more distance. And then the craziest part of it that I that I read was that they were talking about having players actually sit in stands, uh, sit in the stands as opposed to sitting in the dugout kind of all together. Um, so give me kind of your initial take on, on that proposal. 
Uh, my initial take, uh, I, from what I read and gathered, it sounded like, you know, medical professionals seemed to be a little bit on board and were like kind of leading the charge a little bit and uh, that the players were a little bit more on board and all that. Um, and so my initial take was, yes, give me baseball. This is awesome. Right. Uh, right. Since then, we have uh, discovered that is not necessarily the case. This is a pipe dream and uh, it's probably not going to happen. And uh, sure. I, I don't think that, you know, it's terribly feasible. Um, I mean, if you could do like a month or two, maybe, but a whole season seems like a really long time for players to be away from their families and to keep right. everybody, you know, quarantined and away and not getting the virus. And also you have to staff all these things. There's a lot that goes into this plan, uh, aside from just, uh, the players on the field and the coaches and all that. So, uh, you gotta have TV personnel, uh, not really like the concessions workers, but you know, there, there's a lot right. more people than, you know, just the 26 guys on each squad. So exactly. Uh, it, 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 yeah. Sorry. It, it boils down to basically shifting a whole entire industry to, um, to Phoenix um, for an entire season and just the logistics of that, you know, yeah, you, like you're saying kind of outside of the players, you know, you're talking about the front office and you're talking about, you know, everyone kind of trying to keep, social distancing intact, you know, while at the same time, you're basically moving a whole industry with, you know, thousands and thousands of employees down to one area. Um, I think MLB kind of phrased it as having some sort of like Olympic, um, what they have at the Olympics, I'm not sure what they call it now, but like an Olympic um, village. Yeah, like an Olympic village, right? Sorry for for MLB. But um, (laughs) yeah, it does seem kind of, uh, kind of far fetched. and the, in, in the report, um, Jeff Passan kind of commented as uh, he made it seem like this is kind of what MLB's plan is. And if they don't and if, if this doesn't work, then there'll be no season. But it seems like um, it seems like they're kind of throwing it out there to kind of test the waters, so to speak, um, and see maybe uh, if, if, if we can move forward at all. Um, before we get into the A's, what is your expectation for the season? Are you kind of more optimistic? Do you think they'll get like half a season in or wh- where, where do you stand with that? Uh, I mean, I, I proposed an idea, assuming that, you know, the Arizona thing was more feasible and, you know, they had gone through the proper channels. Uh, I don't know that this is a feasible plan anymore, since that's not a thing. But uh, what if you had uh, take a note out of the spring training handbook and you go split squads, you get uh, basically 52 man rosters. And then right. you just have, and as opposed to playing, you know, one team has a double header, you just have two separate teams and it's kind of like your triple A team and your major league team. And then they both combine and then you get two games a day or, you know, however many a day and then uh, go from there. And then that way you can have closer to a full season if you wanted, or you could right. do it for like a month and go from there. Um, I thought that it'd be a fun, innovative way to do something. Um, but then again, you are doubling your risk for, uh, you know, coronavirus and all that stuff. So uh, it's sure. probably not a feasible idea, but I was just trying to have fun with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think anything at this point, um, you know, I think a lot of baseball fans and I think the players themselves are kind of chomping at the bit to kind of get going. And I think the way that I reacted to the news uh, a couple of days ago was like, oh, great, this is really exciting. You know, we're going to get back going in May. But then like you kind of break it down and you think about the the logistics of it. And it's, it's really going to be hard to kind of mo- moving forward in terms of how, how they're going to work this out. Um, so let's say the, that the season does get underway um, at a shortened capacity. Uh, how does that affect the A's uh, positively, negatively? What's what's your take on that? 
It could go either way, really. It depends on if they get off to a hot start. Um, they, they usually sl- start a little bit slower, but uh, I, I think that playing in you know hot weather, if it if they started like in July or something like that, that, that could help their bats just come alive off the get. Um, I mean, park factors are going to be off the you know very crazy. Uh, they're built for the Oakland Coliseum with all that foul territory and all that. Um, right. So that's a, a big if, but um, I mean. I think that it could help them going against a team like the Astros because there's, you know, each game means a little bit more. And the A's, I'm maybe it's me being a homer, but I feel like they're a deeper team than the Astros. Uh, sure. You know, for the you know 40-man roster because the Astros got you know Cranky and Verlander, and then some other guys that they're relying on. You know, like McCullers <laughs> is a good pitcher, but he's also right. coming off of Tommy John, and he's not like a, a for sure thing. And neither are, you know, Puck and Luzardo for the A's, but they're, you know, a year removed from Tommy John, and uh, they're, they're, you know, still not known quantities for uh, for other major league teams. So sure. I feel like the A's would have a little bit of an upper hand depth-wise. Um, but then again, I don't know if that comes into play in a shortened season. So, so. Speaking to AJ Puck, then, um, I know there was some, I think it was right before spring training kind of came to a halt. Um, he got sidelined with uh, an aggravated shoulder injury. Uh, what, what's the latest with him uh, in terms of his status? I was just reading about that last night, actually. Um, he is doing just fine. He is working out at his family home in Iowa, and he's thrown off a mound. He's feeling healthy and good. Uh, he was being told that uh, the sore shoulder it's something that kind of just happens with Tommy John recovery. Uh, every now and then you just get, you know, a little bit of a dead arm and then you feel fine and he feels right. fine now. So uh, he seems to be doing OK. And that is very encouraging. So shifting to Marcus Simeon, who had a huge season in 2019, um, where did the A's leave off on uh, with him uh, in terms of a possible extension and how does a shortened season you know, affect those talks, um, you know, especially if the season doesn't happen um, and, and Simeon just basically becomes a free agent. What, what, what do you, what do you, what's the scenarios that you see kind of um, uh, coming out of that? That's a tough one. Uh, if there's no season, I think that he might be as good as gone just because right. the last time that you saw him was his third place AL MVP finish. And, uh, you know, I think that everybody, uh, A's fans at least, or, you know, expecting him to fall back, not like to a, a medium-sized player or whatever, or, a, you know, a mid-level player, but, you know, not be third in AL MVP voting. He's a very good player, but, you know, it would take a little bit of the shine off and maybe make him uh, more affordable to the A's. But uh, if he's coming off of, you know, third place in the AL MVP voting, I don't know that the A's can afford him unless, unless he wants to do a big hometown discount or do like a short uh, contract, like two, three years. Um, sure. But the A's have, you know, a little bit of depth up the middle in the minor leagues. So maybe they uh, they try something there. I, I don't know. So it'll be interesting to see for sure. So a few months back, um, I know the A's were awaiting approval for a new stadium uh, and the approval was was supposed to come this summer. Uh, where, where where are the A's with that, with, with talks of the new stadium? Uh, the last that I heard, they were still waiting on the environmental report. Um I, that was supposed to come by, I think, this month or maybe during the summer. One of those. Um, I don't know if that's on hold right now. They're not really reporting on the stadium at this point. They're uh, mostly focused on a season if it's going to happen and, you know, COVID-19 and all that stuff. So uh, uh, I am not sure where they're going with the ballpark, but 
Last I heard, they're still waiting on the environmental report, and then they can move forward from there and address those issues. And then, um, but I mean, at, at this point, I think that with everything being shut down, their target date of 2023 is uh, probably not going to happen. So that might just everything, you know, construction and everything being shut down might push it to 2024 just on its own. So regarding the Coliseum, um, what what is because a lot of a lot of baseball fans, a lot of baseball people, kind of across the league, um, you know, kind of love to kind of uh, pick on the Coliseum. <laughs> you know, it's it's always rated kind of in the bottom in terms of stadium experiences and kind of experiences as a whole. Can you give me like one um, positive uh, about kind of the the experience, uh, the baseball experience at the Coliseum? Like, what what do you take away from the Coliseum that you really enjoy? Well, I've lived in, oh, well, I just moved, but uh, for the last nine years, I had lived in San Francisco. So I made it to my share of Giants games as well. So I've right. been to Oracle Park plenty of times, but I grew up going to the Coliseum. And there's a, the, the atmosphere is just better at the Coliseum. Um, when you go there, you're going to watch a baseball game and, you know, just have fun in the sun. Whereas, I, not to be mean to Giants fans, even though I love to be mean to Giants fans, but for, for them, it's more, they're going to watch, you know, a winning team and right. be seen, or it's like an event where they're going out with like work friends for like a happy hour kind of thing. Uh, it's, it's kind yeah, of yeah. like that kind of an aspect as opposed to like, no, I'm a big baseball fan and I want to go cheer for, you know, my team, whether they're in first or last, it doesn't matter. Right. So right. Th- I think that that's something that gets, uh, yes, it is made of concrete, but uh, I like it there. It's fun. So speaking of A's prospects, um, I know you mentioned that, um, you know, up the middle, the A's have some guys down on the farm that you think could fill in, um, you know, if Simeon was to walk at some point. But are there were there some prospects that you were excited to see in 2020 um, making kind of a big that would be making their big league debut that might now be in jeopardy either due to a shortened season or no season at all? Uh, They don't have a ton of prospects looking to make their major league debuts. but, I mean, they, they had some guys that were, you know, little-known players that could have made a, an appearance. Sure. Um, if, you know, like uh, Stephen Piscotty was hurt, he'll probably be back if the season gets going. Uh, so that could have opened the door for potentially Seth Brown, who's an interesting guy. He had a good cup of coffee with uh, the A's last year. Okay. Uh, one guy that they picked up, uh, and he's in the minors now, but... Uh, Jamie Schultz is a guy he's pitched with uh, the Rays and the Dodgers the last couple of years. He hasn't had, you know, a, a lot of success in the majors, but uh, he has terrific strikeout numbers. And, you know, coming from those two organizations to Oakland, it's one of those like there's something here. Somebody's going to unlock it. I want it to be the A's. So I've right. been keeping an eye on him and uh, he was doing pretty well, but with uh, Puck presumably back in the uh, the pitching mix, whether that's in the rotation or in the uh, in the bullpen, it probably pushes him off if he was going to be in you know on the roster anyway. Um, yeah, they they don't have a ton of like prospects that are chomping at the bit. They're they're pretty set with the guys that they have, which is why they didn't make a lot of moves this offseason. Uh, right. Austin Allen is you know probably going to be the backup catcher, and he had a cup of coffee with the Padres last year. They got him in the uh, Jerks and Profar deal, and. Uh, he can hit. And, you know, in when I was winning the World Series on the show, he was the starting catcher <laughs> and he, he was actually decent. So, uh, <laughs> right. So give me another team outside of the Astros that you would be worried about uh, in the AL West if there was a shortened season. With the shortened season, 
I think that the Angels would probably be the big one. Um, maybe even more so than the Astros? No. I don't know. I'd have to go back and forth on that one. But uh, I feel right. like in a short season, with if it's like a, a half season, every game is twice as important. And so sure. a, a team with stars like Trout, Otani, Rendon, that's pretty much all of them, um, that they could you know affect the outcome of, say, four or five games. But, but I'm being modest with that. It could be more than that. And that would be you know, a huge advantage in the course of a, an 81 game season, I think. And uh, right. that, that could push him into playoff contention and push the A's out. It, it, there's a lot of unknowns and uncertainty with a, with a half season. If, if we get one, uh, yeah. the Rangers made some moves, but I don't know if, you know, like Corey Kluber was their big move and he's not going to be pitching more. So I think that that would actually hurt them in that regard. Yeah, the thing with a shortened season, uh, I was actually talking previously uh, on another podcast uh, episode of mine um, to, to my previous guest. We were talking about um, kind of how exciting the prospect of a shortened season could be. You know, it, it, it really changes the idea of, you know, uh, say a June game uh, on a Tuesday afternoon or sorry, a Tuesday night game at 7.05. Uh, you know, the, the feel of that game changes dramatically when you have an 80, 82, 83, 81 game season uh, compared to 162 game season. So I think I think it's going to be an interesting, uh, I, I think it prove, it, it'll prove to be a more ex, uh, kind of exciting product, I think, especially for, for, for baseball fans. And then maybe maybe this is MLB's opportunity kind of in a weird time to really capitalize um, on bringing some new fans in. Maybe new fans will be like, oh, they shortened the season, you know, from 162 to 80 to 81. You know, maybe I'll actually I'll, I'll actually tune in on this on this Tuesday night game at 705, you know. Yeah, if they were able to, you know, make it safe for the players and make them, you know, feel like they didn't have to go, but they wanted to go kind of thing, and they could put on a season of some sort of length, um, right. I'd love for them to just get crazy with it and be like, the playoffs are, you know, this many teams, or, you know, just, just expand <laughs> it or yeah. just get nuts with it. I would thoroughly enjoy that because, you know, right. screw it. it's, it's a one-off season, and in a lot of fans' eyes, that whoever wins it all is probably going to have an asterisk. Not like officially, but, you know, like, yeah, they they won. But, I mean, there was a 40-game season, so whatever. Um, unless it's the Dodgers right. or something. But, like, if the Tigers won, they'd be like, no, they didn't. Get out of here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. Um, you know, it's it's it, it will carry some some sort of an asterisk. But, yeah, I agree. I think um, I think the shortened season would be would be very exciting. So to close things off, um, give me your top five ace players of all time. This can be kind of past or present. Uh, I mean, I, I'm I stuck mostly with guys that I've seen play. Um, so I went with Matt Stairs, who is probably my all-time favorite player, uh, right. just because he had that beer that beer league swing that I just thoroughly enjoyed. And he was he was on the team when I started actually like falling in love with baseball and the A's and stuff at you know the turn of the century. So uh, right. uh, Matt Stairs is probably number one. And then nobody else is really ranked, but uh, Mark Ellis was also on that team, you know, in the early 2000s. And I really enjoyed watching him. Yep. Just a steady guy. He's a good guy. And, uh, you know, Mark Ellis is uh, he, he's he's fun. I He's underrated. But I feel like if I see somebody with a Mark Ellis jersey, I'm like, oh, they know. Uh, current team, I got Sean Manaya because I've done a little bit of press work in the past and he's just always been such a nice guy. I would just right. be sitting in the dugout, you know, watching batting practice or whatever. And he'd walk by and he'd be like, hey, how's it going? I'm like, I'm only here like five times a year. Why are you saying hi to me? I don't. <laughs> but thank you. I appreciate <laughs> that. 
Yeah, um, yeah. So, like, when he got that no-hitter a couple years back, I was very excited for him because he just seems like just a genuinely sweet human being, and I I appreciate that. And then uh, I, I have a thing for relievers. So I, I went Jerry Blevins as my reliever. Because, nice. okay. um, good, another good guy. I, I really like him. Um, and then I didn't get to see this last guy play, but uh, I've been reading a lot more of, you know, A's history and all that stuff for the podcast and just because I'm interested. And I have sure. a lot of free time. So uh, I'm going <laughs> as with... As we all uh, do at this point, yeah. <laughs> so I went with uh, Jimmy Fox, who... Okay just destroyed baseballs for quite a long time. And, uh, you know, he was with the A's in, you know, uh, late 20s, early 30s, and right. uh, won some World Series with them and all that. Uh, he was ridiculously good. And I don't think that people, like, he was, like, on par with Babe Ruth. But people don't know yeah, who look, Jimmy I'm Fox looking is. At his, I'm looking at his baseball reference page. It was back when the A's were, the, of course, the Philadelphia A's. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, he was, a, he was a three-time MVP uh, finished with an OPS plus of 163. So, yeah, he was pretty good. Yeah, he was all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there was actually one year where he could have broken Babe Ruth's home run record in, like, 1931, I think it was. He missed it by, like, one or two. But And I, I, I need to look it up. I feel like he got, like, spiked and had to miss a couple of games or something. Wow. Like, somebody, like, spiked him so that he wouldn't break their record. Or there was something going on, and I was like, he could have broken the record like three years after it was made. That would have been crazy. Right. Right. Yeah. It says uh, 1932, he hit 58 homers. And I think the record yeah. back then was 61. Right. So he was yeah. pretty close. Yeah. It was a uh, 60 at that point, I think, because uh, okay. uh, Roger Maris did 61 in 61, I believe. I only know that because there was a, like an HBO documentary 15 years ago or something. Right. Yeah. How how close did so those A's early 2000s teams are definitely kind of stuck in my memory, too. Um, you know, guys like Eric Chavez um, and of course, that that three headed monster of Mulder, Zito and um, and Tim Hudson. How, how close was Eric Chavez to making that to, to making that list for you? Uh, I, I always enjoyed him, uh, but I think that it might have been uh, he, he signed the big contract. Biggest contract in A's history was like six years and sixty six million dollars. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, we're, we've been big spenders for a while. Um, no, but he was always hurt towards the end. And I was like, oh, that stinks. And uh, he, he was a lot of fun to watch. And I thoroughly enjoyed him. But I think that the his being injured kind of tainted his uh, his memory, my memory of him. So sure. uh, but still super fun guy, super nice guy. I enjoy him a lot as well. But, uh, yeah, those teams were so much fun to watch. Oh, man. All right, Jason. So where can people find uh, the Locked On A's podcast? Where can people find you on Twitter, social media, all that good stuff? Uh, the Locked On A's podcast is anywhere podcasts are. So, you know, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, all that stuff. Um, the uh, Twitter handle for the Locked On account is Locked On A's. I am at by Jason B on Twitter. And we are also on Instagram at Locked On A's as well. So, uh, yeah, I try to you know post little clips on Instagram and show the whole thing on uh, Twitter and all that stuff. So, uh, yeah. Perfect. All right, Jason, thanks so much for hopping on today, man. That was a lot of fun. Oh, no worries, man. Thank you. I'll, uh, I'll be back. Take care, buddy. Great stuff there from Jason Burke at Locked on A's. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, Instagram, and be sure to listen to the Locked on A's podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. 
that'll wrap things up for today. My name has been Mike Brown. You've been listening to Big Lee Chewing, a baseball podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at ChewingCast, or you can follow me on Instagram at Big League Chewing. I will see you guys next week.